My name is Blair. I do uh, some of the teaching around here, and I have been thinking about the topic that we're going to talk about for a while now. And I finally got the push to do it in the sadness series that I was um, going through. I felt like, uh, really, this kind of needs to come to the forefront. My goal today is to challenge you. And some of you will find what I'm going to challenge you with to be very annoying. Awesome. Others of you, you're not going to be annoyed at all because it doesn't affect you at all. The very specific thing that I'm going to kind of drill down on, you're going to look at that and go, no big deal. I got this. I'm just happy everybody else is annoyed. And your goal is to make sure this doesn't pass you by. Because the grander idea still applies to you, even if the specific thing that I tag doesn't apply to you. And so your goal is to find a way to make sure this is annoying to you as well. Okay? I think we can all do that. I want to take you back into history. And I want to help you look at some things that we think maybe have been normal that have not been normal for thousands of years. Just haven't been normal for very long at all. And, um, and we... And we don't understand the difference that makes and how unique it is we see in the scriptures. And I want to also point out there's some things that we do, kind of, that ancient cultures have been doing forever. And uh, what I think is interesting about all of this is God in the middle of, of all of this put a nation that he wanted to represent him. And he started to instigate things in that nation that were very different than the other cultures, and then he had them do some of the similar things, but with a twist. And I want to take, and I want to look at the whole basket of all of this stuff and see if there's something there that should have our focus and attention. So I want to start with one of the things that God instituted in Israel that was radically different than any other culture of the time. You won't find an ancient culture that did this in any way, shape, or form, and God's the one who starts it. He actually establishes this, and it's, it's pretty long. Uh, he s establishes it in Exodus chapter 20. This is the same chapter of the Ten Commandments, and this is one of them. I want to read it to you. In verse 8, he says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You would think that would be enough, but no, there's more. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. And then he adds all of this. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor your foreigner residing in your towns. For in the six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Now, I don't know what you notice when you read that. Um, my personality noticed one big thing. This seems to be a section of scripture that closes all the loopholes. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, rules were very popular, and following them in a legalistic way was the standard, and I didn't care for that very much, and so I made it my business to know every rule that there was inside and out so that I could find the loophole, and I was pretty good at it. It got me in a lot of trouble, except it was a weird kind of trouble because people would be yelling at me, except I knew I was fine because technically I was following the rule, right? That was the beauty of the loophole that I found. And so I, I mean, I remember people who were upset at me at times saying, why do you just keep pushing it? 
And I remember thinking to myself, it's not my fault you're bad at writing rules, right? If you didn't want this outcome, then you should have written this better than you did. I just happened to find a way around this, and that's what was happening here. And I, I, I kind of live that way. By the way, I still, I still have this in my DNA a little bit. So this volleyball season, um, there were a lot of rules that were kind of rolling downhill onto the season. And one was affecting the girls in a way I really didn't like. And one morning, I woke up at 4.30 in the morning. Apparently, my mind had been working on this problem while I was sleeping. And I woke up and I thought... I think I have a way around this rule. I got up at 4.30. I reread the rules on my computer. I sent out my interpretation at 5 a.m. Two days later, two days later, they said, technically, you're correct. Score, right? I love playing games with rules that play games with people. It, it makes me happy. But this, they're leaving no wiggle room. I'm not allowed to work? Fine. I'll have my kid do it. No, you won't. Okay. Uh, maybe I'll have my animals do it. No, you won't. What about my servants? No. What about people who aren't even a part of my culture? No, they're out too. You might not love this, but you're going to do this because there's some benefit here. And so we see this is written kind of with a no wiggle room, which is odd because Israel didn't try to find the wiggle room. If you pay attention to what happens, they actually go in the other direction on this. They actually start identifying things that they say are work that God never intended. He didn't say, I don't want you to do this. But they would say, oh, you're not supposed to do this type of work. You're not supposed to do this. And they were doing it to say, if I don't do that, I'm more holy than you are. And both sets, by the way, the way I deal with things, finding loopholes, and the more extreme side of making the rules even broader and more restrictive, they both do the same thing. They miss the intent. See, God's intention when he did this was that you would have a healthy life, that there would be rest and renewal that would be a normal part of your living. And that's why he instituted this. And both sets of loop finders, loophole finders, and extremists miss the intent that what God was going to do. Now, what happened when God established this day off, many of the cultures around Israel looked at that and said, that is just simply lazy. We don't get it. It annoys us that they do this. You would think that it would lead to them being a less prosperous nation because the norm in ancient cultures was that you worked every day of the week. You know that Loverboy song? Everybody's working for the weekend. You all know it, right? We all know that song because that's our culture. The ancient culture would have thought that was the dumbest thing they had ever heard in their lives. Working for the weekend, there's no day off. There's no sleeping day. There's no, no, none of that happens. You know what was normal for thousands and thousands of years? When the sun came up, you started working. When the sun went down, you stopped working, and you did that every day of the week. Not Israel. They started practicing it differently, and this annoyed people. There's actually recorded records um, of Romans who expressed their deep frustration and annoyance that these people acted this way. 
uh, by the way, there's also some records that indicate that it looks like the Romans didn't attempt to collect taxes on the day that the Jews called their Sabbath. So there, there was this combination where I'm really annoyed by this, but I guess I'm going to let you honor it, and I'm, I'm going to leave you alone because you're probably not going to pay me or you're going to give me a hard time. So you find that happening. But here's the thing. This idea that you would have a 40-hour work week with a weekend, it's new. It's really new. It's new within the last 100 years. In 1926, Ford was analyzing reports of his assembly line workers who were making cars, and he recognized that when he worked them more and longer, there was only a slight increase in productivity, and he realized, I'm not getting more for my money, so I'm going to stop this. And he instituted a 40-hour work week in 1926. In 1940s, because it had become so popular, it passed as a law. Do you understand that it hasn't even been 100 years since we've had that kind of boundary? And yet, God established thousands upon thousands of years ago that his people would find a rhythm, find a pattern, find renewal and rest by taking a day off. See, we have that in our culture now. We have what a weekend. We, we would say, yeah, we have times where we're off that's consistent. That has not been the way it's been. And I suspect um, we might not be using it the way God intended either. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But for one, days off, not normal. Has been around for thousands of years. Now, there was something that God established that was similar. So he did something that was different by creating a day off for them. But he did something similar, um, and then with a twist. Almost all of the ancient cultures, almost all of them that I can find, practiced a thing called festivals. They were almost all associated around springtime and harvest. Uh, agriculture was such a big part of their lives that they were going to celebrate that. In fact, many of them, they prayed to moon and sun gods, believing that they had to appease those if they were going to get good crops. And so they would do these kind of festivals in order to get some uh, honor, like, I want to honor you so I can get what I need to get from you. Um, so you would think maybe God would go away from that system, but he did not. He actually established a festival system for Israel as well, and he had some very specific things about it. Now, you can look at that and say, maybe this coincides with our holidays and weekends, because we have, we have some things that we do too as a nation that are very like oriented around this sort of thing. Except here's the big differences. Most of the festivals in the ancient world were a week long. So it doesn't really work for the holidays. I mean, we have holidays or a single day, sometimes a holiday weekend. But they, they would take a whole week off. And you go, that's kind of like our vacation. Kind of like our vacation. Here's, here's one big difference. We stagger our vacations because when we go on vacation, we're expecting somebody to serve us. They all went on vacation at the same time. They would all do this. And so there wasn't, it wasn't the same kind of atmosphere. It was like a huge communal celebration together. And everybody was involved. Uh, kind of. Well, I'm not clear 
that slaves were involved in this. I'm not sure if slaves were allowed to participate in the festivals or not, and there was a lot of slavery happening during that time. So I'm not sure if they just kept working through this whole thing or not, but we know all the cultures had these sorts of things. Now, I want to focus on one. One um, that Israel had that struck me as ironic, really kind of weird. Uh, it was a festival called the Festival of Booths. It has three different names that you could find attached to it. The Festival of Tabernacles or the Festival of Ingathering. And if any of those names strike you as giving you a hint for where this lands, if the ingathering is probably a harvest festival, this happened in mid-October. And what would happen is as they were going out into the fields to harvest their festivals, they would build shanties, um, often made of the materials that they were harvesting. So they would harvest the wheat or whatever, and then they would take the thatchings of that, and they would put it on the roof or on the sides. And these would be just these little kind of shanties that people would live in. Um, I actually have pictures of, um, of what they construct today. Israel still practices this. They'll build these shanties almost anywhere. They'll be, build them out. They'll build them on their patios. They'll build them next to their house. And what you would do is you would repurpose these things at the time that Israel was doing this. They would finish with harvest, and then they would be repurposed for your family to travel to. And your family would go out, and you would have meals, and you would eat in these things. And you would do that so that you could get away from all the distractions and remember how good God was to you. You were supposed to remember how he brought you out of Egypt. You were supposed to remember all the harvest that he just provided for you. You were supposed to reconnect with God away from the distractions. Which is the part of this that strikes me as deep irony. What in the world did they have to avoid in their community that was a distraction? TV? No. Electronics? Running water? No, they didn't even have that, right? They had mold growing on the side of their, I mean, that's it. Like, what? they're not living in a Roman city that had theaters, had baths, had gladiator fights, had chariot races. You could, uh, you could look at all of that and think, oh man, that would be distracting. None of that was going on. These were small communities of 200 to up to 1,000 people. And God felt it was necessary for them to pull away from each other and avoid the distraction. What in the world is happening? What could possibly be distracting? Well, part of it is we, we just have no concept. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain to you how they thought, and it still won't register as something that makes sense because we are so different as a culture. For all of these ancient cultures, Israel included, the community was more important than the individual. Your individual goals, your individual um, desire for achievement, whatever you wanted to accomplish as an individual was secondary to the accomplishment of that community. You would sacrifice yourself for the good of the group, and it's the way you were. Now listen, if you live like that, can you understand how intertwined your lives would become? If you think living in Middlebury with 4,000 people is a small town and everybody knows your business, try living in a community of 200 people where you're intertwined with each other's lives. Everybody knew your business. Everybody. It turned out 
that all of those relationships were their distraction. That they had to find a way to step away from that where they could reconnect with their own families, where they could reconnect and be thankful to God because all of the stuff that they could put their hands in would get them going. And so he established this thing where they would go away out and have these meals. And you might think, that sounds like camping. No big deal. We've done that. Listen, their normal lives were camping. They had dirt floors. They cooked on open fires. They had no air conditioning. They had open windows. I, I can't imagine what you would call that. The whole point of it, though, was that this was radically different than the other cultures. By the way, it wasn't vacation. There were only a few days of this festival that God said, you cannot work. Now, the other days, you probably didn't work sun up to sundown, but you could go and get some stuff done. But it was a general sense of celebration that everybody got pulled into. And so you had this going on. How big of a deal was this? It was so important that God instructs them to do this. This is established by God. Leviticus 23, 34 says this. Say to the Israelites, this is God speaking through Moses. On the 15th day of the seventh month, the Lord's festival of tabernacles begins. And it lasts for seven days. I'm establishing this. Yeah, everybody else is doing festivals in the world too. But mine's going to be different. And it goes on and gives details for how this would go. How you would build this hut how you would live in it, how you would remember and reconnect with God. And so you have all of this stuff kind of unfolding. So let's recap real quick. God establishes a day off for Israel. Very odd, very different. Um, in ancient cultures, and frankly, it's very new in our world for us to have the kind of time off that we currently have. Very odd in history. Festivals, normal. Israel had festivals, other people had festivals. The element of getting away from each other and avoiding some distraction, that was not normal. That was not a part of other people's festivals, so that was unique. Now, here's what I find interesting. Um, thousands of years ago, God instituted these things, and he did it with intention. And if you pay attention to the intention behind why he did all of these things, you would come up with maybe five R words Rest, renewal, refocus, and reconnection. He had a desire that people would rest and renew, that they would refocus on him, that they would reconnect with God and with others. And this was a part of what he put in their culture. And he thought that they had to find a way to get away from the distractions in their lives in order to do this. Listen, if God looked at these ancient civilizations and thought that Israel would benefit from finding a way to have less distractions and more time off, what do you think he would say to our culture today? I mean, for some reason, he looked at them and said, I don't want you to have the same schedule as the cultures around you. I want you to keep a different one that runs a different pace, that emphasizes different things. Do you think it would be any less, or do you think God would look at us today and say, it's no big deal if you adopt your culture schedule? 
won't impact your life much at all. I kind of suspect he would say the opposite. I kind of suspect he would look at us and ask, what are you doing? Listen, I'm not, I'm not doing this to try to stir up guilt. What I'm hoping to do is to start having an honest conversation about the way we're choosing to live. Because the reality is, I talk to many people, some in our church, some outside of our church, they work every day of the week. And it's a badge of honor that they do that. They might even come to church and they'll go home and keep working. Some of them don't take vacations, time off. They don't practice holidays. They don't do all of that. And it's become a standard practice for many people to just run at 100 miles an hour all the time. I'm wondering if God thought, that made sense. Let me ask you this question. When do you rest? When do you renew? When do you refocus? What time in your schedule do you give to reconnect with God? What time do you give to reconnect with other people? Because if it was important enough for God to establish an alternative schedule amongst a group of people that he was trying to set apart, that he went into their lives and said, I want you to do something that nobody else is doing. I want you to take a day off. That's crazy. Yes, it is. It's crazy talk. I want you to do it anyway. Well, I'll just get around it. I'll loophole. No, I'm going to close this thing up. You're not going to use anybody else to do your work either. You're going to honor this. And then he establishes a festival. Everybody else has festivals, yeah, but I want you to come apart. I want you to find a way to refocus and to reconnect with me and to remember how good I've been to you. Now, here's what I think is interesting. For us, we already have a lot of good things in place. We have weekends. We have holidays. We have vacations. We have a lot of good stuff that our culture has afforded us to give us the beats off to rest, renew, refocus, and reconnect with God. But I've been noticing something in my own life. And as I read and studied all this stuff, it was generating an overwhelming sense of sadness and all kinds of problems in our culture. One thing kind of bubbled to the top. Despite having all of these wonderful opportunities to reconnect, renew, we were carrying with us the mother of all distractions into every one of those environments. Or maybe it's just me, right? Uh, I kind of thought about it like this. What if Israel had gone out into the wilderness and they were from our culture? They would be in the booth, apart from everybody else, and everybody would be doing this, right? And they would technically be following what God said, and they would be missing the point. They would be missing the point. I, uh, I've been thinking about um, the mess these make in people's lives. 
And I've come to this simple conclusion. Sometimes we need to take a break. A break from our work that comes through these. A break from the connections that come from these. Listen, if relationships in their culture were the distraction, we carry our relational distractions with us almost everywhere we go. We do. We follow their lives. We check in on them. We see what's happening, what's going on. Listen, I'm not going to argue, I never will, for the elimination of these. I've found them too handy for my life. They're an incredible tool. But let me say this directly. If we don't find proper boundaries with these devices, they will overrun our lives. And we will technically be taking time off. And we actually won't. Because our minds will be going, our minds will be captured, we'll be engaged. And our opportunity to renew, to rest, to refocus and to reconnect with God will be stolen from us. I'm not asking you to create more rules for your lives. I'm asking you to figure out a way to honor one that God established thousands of years ago when he said, it is better for you. It is better for you if you have seasons where you disconnect from it all. So I don't know, I don't know what that's going to look like for you. I know I've just introduced a world of pain into my own life because I'm not terribly good at this and my wife is going to find out about this and she's going to go, oh, we're talking about this, right? So there's going to be some boundaries coming my way and I get it. I get it. I'm signing up for that conversation because something is off. Something is off when our culture has set our schedule and in fact I think God wants to instead and in order for him to do that there will have to be boundaries and you might not be captured by your phone what are you captured by what grabs your attention and holds it what causes you to not take time off to renew to refresh what do you think God would say to us. I'm hoping that you'll have conversations in your community of friends. You'll have conversations in your families about what boundaries need to be put in place because it is overrunning people's lives and it's causing all kinds of undue consequences. We can, we must do better. What kind of boundaries do you think you need to put in place with these devices in our lives that hold our attention and distract us from connecting with God. I hope you'll figure that out. Uh, I'm going to pray with you in a second. I just want to mention that at, um, at the end of the service in the back corner over here, uh, Tracy's going to be available to pray with anybody. If you want to pray about this or anything else, she's available. So I hope you will take the time to do that if that's on your heart. Can I pray with you real quick? Uh, God, our culture runs at a fast pace, and it's been easy to get on board. 
I, I, uh, for me, I get a let's get it done kind of mode, and I just go and go and go. And so I've lived that way where I haven't taken time off, where I haven't had vacations, where I haven't done that sort of thing. And God, I, um, I have a relationship with this device that when it rings and when it bings, it has my attention. I want you to be that person who has my attention. That when your spirit dials me up, I'll get it. I'm just concerned that if I keep going the way I'm going, I'll miss your calls. I'll miss your influence because I'll be so distracted. God, um, our culture is creating these kind of things. It's our responsibility to put up boundaries. So I ask you would give us the courage to draw the lines, to create some boundaries, not to make more rules, but to honor you with the patterns of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.